I never take it personally. You know, I'm just always very professional. People are going through a lot. So just be patient with people. Try to see things from their own their own point of view and just try to be as helpful as you can instead of, you know, matching their energy. No, no. That's one mistake I've seen over and over. You know, product people are creating products that they like and you're like, how is this going to help the consumer? So when you just consider all that, you know, um, from from just basically research and just observing their behavior, everything you're going to do is going to be easy. My name is Gloria Emebury and this is The Spotlight. Hi and welcome to another exciting episode of The Spotlight. This podcast is for curious minds and aspiring innovators who are leading the charge in the research revolution. We dive deep to discuss inspiring, informative and offbeat conversations on product research and strategy. My name is Iwalola Shobowale and I am a product research and strategy lead at a leading technology company in Nigeria. So as you listen to this really insightful episode, please remember to follow the podcast wherever you listen Give it a five-star rating and send any questions or feedback that you have to the Google form linked in the show notes. I'll also have my email address linked there. So um, regarding this episode, one thing I love about UX research is that it opens up endless possibilities where I get to collaborate with a diverse array of stakeholders, both within and outside my organization. As UX researchers, you know, we're fueled by a deep understanding of user needs, market insights, and product knowledge. And we possess a special skill set that kind of allows us to design processes that unlock valuable insights for stakeholders of all kinds. So joining us today is a remarkable guest, Gloria Imebore, a seasoned digital marketing manager with extensive expertise in building and nurturing brands in the digital space. We will be discussing the impact of digital marketing on brand development, its intersection with product research, and the strategies that can be employed to create memorable brand experiences. So get ready to gain valuable insights and uncover the secrets behind successful brand building in today's ever-evolving digital landscape. So let's jump right in. Hi, Gloria. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm fine, Iwa. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long... We've been planning this for a while. (laughs) I'm just glad that we're finally doing this. I'm very excited and very honored to be here. Thank you very much. Yay, thank you. So, um, can you please give us a brief introduction of yourself? What do you do and what's the impact of your role on a business or product? Mm, my name is Gloria Imebere and I do I do many things, right? <laughs> I do market strategy, I do brand management, I do social media, I do community management, I do PR, I do content, I do a lot of things. But currently I work as a digital marketing and PR executive at a leading financial technology company. But um back to your question, where you asked you know, the impact of my role. And I think that's one of the things I really, really love about, you know, digital marketing, the fact that you can actually, you can actually measure your results. You can see the impact of what you are doing. There's no guesswork, right? And then the solutions are sort of like non-conventional. They are just, it's just basically a unique space and I absolutely love it. So um, I think I'll just start from the very beginning about how technology has changed the way a lot of things are done, right? So especially after COVID, um, you know, and this whole change has really, really affected consumer behavior. So, and many organizations now recognize this. So a lot of things are now digitalized, right? So for example, um, before, if you had to go purchase shopping, you would actually leave your house, you know, go out. But right now you can do a lot of things. You can shop, buy anything you want, trust from your house, right, on your mobile phone and your laptop. So it has changed so many things and many organizations know this. In fact, there's a report I came across by HubSpot and they said as of 2021, we have 4.9 billion internet users. Billion, 
4.9. This was as as uh, 2021. So that number, I can't even imagine what it is right now. I'm sure it has it has really increased, right? So and many organizations know this now, and they know that okay, people are trying to reach now. We can just get these people online. And that is where we come in. That is where digital marketing comes in. It sort of like bridges that gap between the product and the consumer. So it's it's basically finding consumers where they are and offering them the products or positioning your brand in a way that they can easily find you. So um, for example, this is like one of my favorite um projects I worked on when I was still working at the agency. So we had these clients that um they were new in Nigeria, they were selling whiskey. And um they were new and they were trying to, you know, get people to know about them and everything. So they had their product in supermarkets and the client told us, my objective for being on online is not to sell. I just want to have footprints online. I don't want to sell to anybody. We have stores already doing this for us. So we're like, cool. So what I just did was, you know, just trying to maintain awareness online, just bringing that, you know, digital presence and everything. And but we realized online and this is why research is also very important in in you know in what we do in digital marketing but we not realize that people were also consumers were coming and they were like oh we can't find this product you know because we're doing ads everywhere like, we can't find this product we can't find where to buy it so i told the clients you know i'm like there are two things here the first one is you're helping your competitors sell the second one is you're wasting money because imagine someone sees your ad and they want to buy your whiskey they go to store one they can't find you go to store two they can't find you buy store three they are buying something else because they can't find you because they can't go back home they're like well i've come this far might as well just buy any whiskey at this point so with all the the, the clients well this is what's happening so what you, what we can do is give a list of the stores that we people can find your products and then would you know every ad we're running will be within that area and we did that and it really worked so People knew, okay, they've seen this ad, this is where to buy it, and they're walking straight into that store, right? So it's one of the reasons why we really, really love digital marketing. You can just you can just see the problem, create a solution, and you can just see the see the results. And it just feels good. <laughs> you know, that that is so amazing. You said 4.9 billion as of um 2021. I'm very sure that's yes. probably up to like maybe five point something now. And I just did a quick Google search, and according to Google, anyway, we're around 7.8 billion people in the world. So oh, more wow. than half of people in the world are on the internet actively, right? Um, I really love this um experience you just shared. Basically, the internet has opened up a new market, a new like opportunity for businesses, both big and small. And of course, that's mm. where, you could, like you said, your role comes in because. Ordinarily, we wouldn't know how to even approach people on the internet. It's not the typical, you know, customer that just walks by the front of your store. So I guess that's the that's the real, the true value of your role, right? Okay, yes, awesome. exactly. So have you always wanted to work in, you know, digital marketing, brand management, or how did you, if not, how did you find yourself here? To be honest, to be honest, I wanted to be a nurse. Let me just put it that way. I wanted to be a nurse, or let's say a pediatrician, like, you know, a doctor for kids. So I don't know, I think the movie I watched when I was growing up, you know, and it was like, um, the doctor only came like once or twice to the patient, but the nurse was always there, you know, taking care of this patient, the children. And I think my personality also just plays a huge role. I like behind the scenes. I don't really want to be in the forefront. I want to just do the magic behind the scenes. I don't mind if someone else takes all the glory. I really don't care as long as I'm getting paid my salary, you know, and just having that fulfillment, I'm good. But, you know, I've, as life would have it, I found myself in science class, um, not being a nurse. My dad was like, either you're a doctor or nothing at all. You know, he didn't want to hear the whole nursing thing because, you know, at the time, you know, this was pre-COVID. At the time, being a nurse was like, oh, you know, you'll be earning a lot of money and everything. So it was like, either you're going to be a doctor or nothing at all. So I said, okay, let me just find something else. I tried the whole science class thing. It just didn't work out for me. But, um, I went to university and I studied something entirely different from what, you know, my family would have wanted me to study. I studied marketing with media communication and um, 
um, I think it was there. I really just, um, I really just fell in love with the whole marketing. I did a course, um, consumer behavior, and it was just, it was so exciting. Another course, service management, it was just amazing. So it was at, at that time, I, I would, at that time, I was like, okay, you know what? I wouldn't mind getting a job, you know, within this space. It was just interesting at the time. So education is important, you know. So even after I finished school, but having that first-hand experience was nothing beats having first-hand experience. So after after school, I just somehow found myself in digital. It wasn't planned. It wasn't actually. I started as a marketing manager, but somehow I just found myself in digital space. Um, I had worked somewhere before where I had to really apply a lot of my skills, but it was more freestyling, right? I didn't really have a lot of theoretical backing. So that was when I really became intentional about going for, you know, the knowledge. I became very intentional about taking courses, certifications here and there, and just, you know, really just building, um, you know, just basically... Um, basically trying to find ways to be not just better, but the best in my space so yeah i i love I, that okay so so you already told us you know that the fact that um you know you can see the impact of your role that's something that you really love about your role right but like what mm. are some of the common challenges that you face day to day in your role so um one of the challenges is um a lot, a lot of organizations can see the value in digital marketing they're ready to pay for it you know they're ready to listen, listen to what you have to say but at the same time a lot of companies are yet to catch on so you are still trying to convince them why this is important trying to still convince them why they should pay this amount of money so for me that's like my major challenge actually many nigerian companies right um they don't really see the value so because of that they want to pay little and then another challenge i have i think this is this is so common so a lot of people, a lot of people will ag agree with me on this um it's just basically how people don't understand digital marketing so digital marketing is very broad and there are different imagine octopus with different tentacles right so there is the website management or development there's a the social media there's community management there's pr there is um content marketing right but you still have people that want to hire a social media marketing um, professional for example and they want that same person to do the creatives that same person to manage the website that same person to do you know, content so it's a lot of <laughs> so you're always trying to you know explain that no there is a person that specializes in this that you need to hire right so it's just all this is just very funny and then another thing is trying to explain just the process of digital marketing so a client can give you let's say for example two million naira to run an ad and they feel like well if i'm giving, giving you two million naira that means like 10 million people should have seen my ad and if 10 million people see my ad 10 million people should buy my product so <laughs> it always like no it doesn't work like that you know so because you are spending 10 million naira does not mean that you reach 10 million people or more. And does not mean that, okay, because 10 million people saw your ad, they would buy it. So you're just trying to explain to them how the whole thing works. So I guess all that just makes people not really, because they can't understand it, it's difficult for them to then see the value in it. Hmm. I think that is actually something that is very um common with a lot of um tech or tech-related rules, right? Um, do yeah. you think what do you think is the solution to that or do you think for me i'll probably say um you know education educating the businesses Definitely. and brands about it right do you know anyone that you know does that or are there resources that you can share for people who are trying to learn more about this um i definitely agree with you about the education part and honestly a simple crash course would solve the the, the the problem i i know that there are some organizations that um they will bring in their agencies um and the thing we used to do that would actually where i used to work you know in an agency we would actually tell the clients we can come in maybe twice a year and just do a crash course on digital market so that you can understand what we are doing and we have people that are actually open to that and you know it's really beautiful when you're working with people that understand this as well because they make your job much more easier but people that don't have any knowledge about this, you know, it's it's a problem. But like you said, education is really fantastic. 
And any crash course or a simple Google search would really just solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. I see, I see. I understand where you're coming from. So it's not like someone needs to, you know, maybe learn from, is there like a master digital marketing or brand manager that, you know, everybody must be following or anything like that? Um, I particularly, particularly like um, Neil Patel. Um, okay. When I said... Yeah, when I started, you know, digital, he was one person that was always going to his website and was watching his videos. He was, he's really, really knowledgeable and is very open to sharing, you know, what he knows. So, yeah, and he makes everything very easy. So you don't have to be an expert to understand what he's saying. He makes it very, very easy. Well, awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So I'll be putting that in the show notes as well um, for anyone who is interested in learning. So there's something I, I'm really curious about here. How do you manage the balance between you know, maintaining the brand's messaging and, you know, also allowing for, like, authentic interactions with, you know, like, customers or prospects, on like, online. I know that must be really tricky. So I know this is probably, like, a mm. hard question I'm throwing at you, but I'd love to know. <laughs> yes, it is very tricky, especially if you are, um, if you are, you know, managing a tech product, any product that has to do with money, because people don't really want to know your stories. But I find that um having a strong brand personality really, really works. So um you want to actually present your brand as a person that people can easily reason with. Another thing is consistency. So you always want to just emphasize who you are as a brand. You know what your core values are. So those two things for me really works hmm, that is so um profound actually so consistency and you know actually crafting a personality that that's really interesting so like um hmm. you know speaking of personalities right i assume that means you know there's the brand has a reputation right what happens mm -hmm. when you know there's a crisis or you know there's an uproar on twitter how do you how do you handle things like that because i imagine you know, for all of us that are on Twitter, you know, they'll be dragging a brand somewhere. All of us yeah. laugh. For you, behind <laughs> the scenes, you're like probably scrambling, trying to rescue the whole situation. So, like, what can you maybe tell us about one of those times, you know, and how you handled it? Yeah, okay. I think this is a very interesting question. Um, so true. I find that a lot of brands are always doing damage control, right? They want to start doing what's they should have done from the beginning when the damage has already been done. So, um, you know, back to what I said earlier about building a strong brand personality and always just emphasizing who you are as a brand and communicating your values, right? It's really going to help you when there is, you know, when something really, when something goes wrong. Now, um, there was something that happened, right, with a brand I manage. I don't want to mention the name. And that brand is known for just being, um, for being very um, compliant with like, you know, regulations and government policies. So you can't find fraud and this brand in the same sentence. There are times that, you know, people will be dragging other brands online, but they will never mention this brand. So that was, so I've, I've noticed this thing online where, you know, someone tries to then start something online and they mention this brand, oh, you owe me money, this, that, that. Somebody else, not a paid influencer, just a customer. Like, we would not even say anything, but this person would come and be like, oh, that is not true. I use this brand and they will never, ever steal your money. They are not friends. I've seen that happen over time. And it makes me feel so good because I'm like, yes, but this, you know, this is when you people just know your brand for just, for, they just know your brand and what you, and what you stand for. So um, the number one thing is just getting the public to know who you are. Always just try to communicate your values, you know, and then um, another thing is all your endorsements. So if you are affiliated with any, you know, any government bodies, always just tell your consumers this indirectly, of course, you don't want to be too salesy. Try to let them know we are compliant with this and this and that, um, you know, so from, from, that's from from that they know that okay there are things that this brand is not going to go into you know this brand is not going to so basically they this 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 having trust in your brand you know the brand trust is there so for example right if i was a fintech product accused of fraud um obviously there are some things you should have even done at, in the beginning um 
I don't want to mention, I'm very, I'm being very careful about, you know, <laughs> mentioning some brand names, but there's a particular brand I really love. And there was a time they were trending, right? They rarely trend. And there was a time they were trending. People were unable to log in. And guess what, Iwa? People were like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm not panicking. I'm cool because whatever happens, my money is safe. And I was like, what kind of, you know, you have ambassadors as customers, like your customers are the ones selling your products for you. So you're not even spending. And I noticed one thing that this brand, they, they rarely spend a dime on advertising. They don't, they don't market anything. Their consumers are the ones that do the, the work for them. So I thought that was really brilliant. But from personal experience, um, there was a brand I managed, um, it was a consumer product, right? Um, I was about to mention the brand name. <laughs> but basically it was food right it was food so it was a perishable item right and this was like one of the leading you know um products in nigeria still is and there was a time you know consumers were coming forward to say oh they were finding maggots in the products um you know and there was this thing that was now going people were trying to say oh let's use the other competitors and um what we, we we basically built a strategy for them we're like see um, um this can come this can come from different um different courses right it's possible the consumers they're not storing the products well it's possible they are buying fake products but basically what we basically did was we just um we we did like a whole educational series obviously in a fun manner we're not too we're not boring we use influencers we're just trying to tell the, the, the consumer that okay when you buy these products please check the batch number you know does it have this does it have that otherwise maybe you want to change the store you're buying from the second one when you buy the product sell it in this manner you know we just went on um an educational um series basically and it did the magic and we also reemphasized our standards like so there are awards we've won before for just being compliant in self in terms of like health so where you know we push this out to different blogs you know so people would know that we are still number one whatever is happening or maybe it has to do with how you know how you are storing your products or where you are buying from um so we basically just you know went on that educational um series you know and it was fantastic it really worked and they're no long we didn't have any more complaints about the products anymore wow that that's actually really interesting i think you guys took a you basically took different approaches to solve that i like how you didn't go with like a very you know defensive approach like oh maybe you're buying fake items and things like that i rather took the educational approach i think that was really brilliant um but before mm -hmm. that um you had mentioned about um the brand the financial services brand that you know had they, that was being dragged on twitter and you know it was the customers who were even standing up to say okay they are very sure you know this brand is upright and all that i'm wondering how much of that has to do with um the brand um personality um for me i i you know being a user experience person i want to say maybe it's you know the overall experience the, the people have had with that brand definitely or is this something that's tied into each other are they distinct in any way or are they like do they all work together definitely i, I think it um, works together so you know in marketing that's why i always stop you know i always say it that teams should not work in silos in, in marketing departments everything they're all intertwined so um it's, it's like a body you know the leg has to work with the hand the eyes has to work with the the nose you know but you know you find many organizations that if people are working you know just doing their own thing but actually they're all supposed to work together to give the consumer the ultimate experience yes i think that, that actually captures it. i think that actually captures it and speaking of that how can you know digital marketers brand managers align their strategies with like the overall business vision like the vision for maybe a business or a product are there steps that need to be taken or, you know, like you've mentioned already, is it just a thing of working together, like collaboration? Or are there maybe like one, two, one or two tips you can share around that? Um, There's really, there's not a one right way to approach this, right? I, I feel like there are different right methods to approach this thing. But personally, how I prepare to work is, especially in large organizations, right? Um, I feel at the start of, the financial year let's say the financial year starts january by november 
each team they should have their their um their financial plan right so whether i don't what de- whatever department you are from whether it's video whether it's um you know um the business side whatever department just have your plan right this, this is a, um, everything i want to um achieve the coming years and my kpis you know so we all come together we'll present and we'll just find a way to merge everything together um or i mean i'm a huge um supporter for when teams come together to achieve something everybody puts heads together you will achieve more and you spend less and you do so much more in a creative manner because believe it or not everyone so because i mean digital does not mean that i don't have a solution to what the front end guy is working on you know he can have his problem and i'm like oh why don't you do it this way so it's just a thing you know when you're together with people your brain is just working you know faster than usual <laughs> again so that's the way i actually approach things i'm like everybody bring your plan okay let's see how we can all just work together and do things together instead of you know one person has their plan and they are deploying by themselves and then they come to you oh do this for me to that and you're like where is this from you know what's the what's the goal I totally agree with you on that. You know, I think um, in every business or organization, a lot of the time, there isn't like one fantastic answer out there. Like someone else mm-hmm. on that team might actually have the answer to a problem that, you know, the business or the product team is facing. And I think, yes, I totally agree with you on that. So speaking on that, like, do you have any um, examples or past experience with where, you know, feedback from like from maybe a, a, an online community or, you know, a digital campaign where the feedback actually influenced the the roadmap or the strategy for the business or product. Do you have any um experience or any past experience with that? Yes, I have loads. I have loads. But I think um the recent one and you know the one I find most interesting is about you know um one of the brands I manage. It's like a digital world. One of the brands I manage is in digital wallets. And um so we we have a lot of you know products, we have a lot of things for people to do on the app. But the problem was were we actually solving a problem, right? Because I mean, if you're going to build something, number one is what are you solving? That's just it. So you, you can have a fantastic product, but if you're not solving anything, then it's like, what's the point? What are going to use your product? <laughs> so people don't really, you know, or maybe they use the app, but they just use only one feature on it. And, you know, after we've done our research, we realized that, you know what, people, there is no problem we're solving with this feature. So um, we're in the process of, you know, you just revamping that app with um feedback we have from our consumers telling us this is actually what we need. We don't need this. And obviously from just research we've done, we now know what the typical Nigerian needs. And that's really giving us um insights to, you know, to how we are now revamping the products. Thank you so much, Gloria, for sharing about, you know, how you um, you know, feedback from customers have influenced business strategy now i I'm, I'm sure there's something that's a bit tricky like how do you handle like trolls negative comments you know things like that people who just want to drag brands online you know whether it's you know it's um, warranted or unwarranted how do you handle that kind of situation <laughs> so there are many ways around this um but my advice um, and what i always do how i handle this is I never take it personally, you know. I'm just always very professional. People are going through a lot, so just be patient with people. Try to see things from their own their own point of view, and just try to be as helpful as you can instead of you know matching their energy. No, no. That's amazing, but honestly, is it is it actually that easy? Because the way some people, the, the things some people say, like are you not like hot blooded sometimes? <laughs> like you just want to give this person back. Actually, trust me. Trust me. <laughs> trust me. You want to give them basketballs as well. Like, are you the first? Are you okay? But you know, like I said, it's always a thing of just being professional. Like, just understand that it's not personal. I just be professional. So whenever I sometimes I don't really respond when I see a message. Like, you know, I just wait for a while, like an hour. When I've calmed down, then I'll come and now respond. <laughs> But yeah, just be professional and just understand that it's really not personal. That person can be going through things that you don't understand. 
So yeah, I think yeah. actually that's very key. Being like empathetic to whatever the person is going through. That's because, the word. Yeah, yeah. Because actually, you you the person might actually be going through a tough time, and unfortunately, you know, maybe something just happened and they have to take it out on someone else. So yeah, I totally mm. get that. So how do you now com- co- like communicate that negative feedback to maybe like the product manager or the product teams? You know, people who can actually make those changes, or if it's maybe customer support. What processes do you put in place to handle that communication? Mm, so I do a lot of reporting. I do a lot of social listening reports where, you know, so because it's one thing to be telling the stakeholders these things, but it's another thing for them to actually seed for themselves. So you do a screenshot, you know, sometimes people will send you, customers will send you, um, you know, voice recordings on Instagram. So you are sharing this with them as well. You know, you put everything in the reports and you, you send to them. And you're like see some people are saying about your product. Um, sometimes we do um aside emails, you know, we also do meetings where I'm sharing this directly with the customer success teams, with the product, um, uh, you know, product teams. I'm like, how are we going to move forward from this? And I also work closely with the research team because their data, you know, most times um has to support what you're saying. So um, because sometimes some stakeholders might, they might not still see the issue, you know. So when you come with data from the research team that oh, you know, this is this is actually what I researched in my house. They're also saying this, and they know that okay, this is serious, and um, yeah. But basically, just um, you know, detailed reports and also providing ways that we can also you know, you know, come up with solutions. Okay, awesome. So like, I um, there's something you just said that um, I think is really interesting. So you said also like providing, you know, recommendations or suggestions. So is it a case of maybe you're looking at what other brands are doing? How do you come up with those suggestions? Because I, I imagine there are times when it's a very maybe tough situation. You know, what are the things that help with decision making? So I know you've mentioned the research, but is it that, for instance, maybe you need to be very knowledgeable about a particular industry? What's, what are the things that have helped you in this regard? This is a really good question. And one thing I have found out when coming up with strategy is you always have to, I mean, it's not like you always have to do what your what your um, know what the consumer wants in every situation, right? But most times, because what you are doing is solving solutions that concerns them, right? So it's a thing of what exactly do they want? So when you take when you factor in what they want. It makes everything easier because sometimes what most of us do, you know, that we work most of us in like um client side, you know, we're the ones that are providing the services. What we'll do is we create things that we want. That's one mistake I've seen over and over. You know, product people that's creating products that they like, and you're like, no, what ex like exactly? How is this going to help, you know, the consumer? You just have to um, you know you have to know what they consider as solutions. You have to know their passion points, what excites your customer, you know, what makes them happy, what are they, what, what do they need? So when you just consider all that, you know, um, from, from just basically research and just observing their behavior, everything you are going to do is going to be easy. That is actually amazing. Like, I think you've, You've captured everything that needs to be said. Um, especially the, when you said observing behavior, I think that's something that a lot of products and business teams miss out on. Like you already said, people are creating products that they want, forgetting that they are not the consumers. So if when when you're distanced from the consumers, you know, when maybe a product manager is distanced from their customers, how exactly are they going to know what they want? But your role is actually quite close to the customer. You're getting that first-hand feedback a lot of the times, even before customer support gets it, you know. When someone goes on Twitter and says, this useless app has, um, this useless app at, you know, whatever the name of the app is, you people don't have sense, things like that. So you're getting that feedback up front, <laughs> which the product manager might not even see, right? That's so interesting. So um, I have a question. Um, this might be a tough one, but I know you, I know you have it. How do you stay up to date with like v- very highly competitive um businesses or industries? Because I know you know where you're currently working, for instance, is one is very highly competitive. The landscape. How do you stay up to date? What do you have to do, you know, to make sure you are like at the top of your game? Hmm. 
I always have a lot of tabs opened on my system. <laughs> I'm always watching my competitors. I'm always, you know, um, watching the consumers, what they are talking about, because you want to be trendy. You know, you want to talk about what they're talking about. You want to see what they are seeing. You also want to see what your computer are doing. So you want to see what they are doing that you are not doing, what they are doing better than you, what you are doing better than them. So, um, and thank God for technology. We've been blessed with information, you know, information is very easy. So, um, that's basically it. Aside, you know, the, aside, um, other things like, um, uh, you know, other extra sophisticated things like, um, getting all these, um, research bodies to come. But there are things that I also just do on my own end. Um, I spend a lot of time on Twitter, not because I'm active on Twitter, but I just spend time because I really want to see what my target audience are talking about. I really want to see what they need, what what is like exciting them because what they're talking about most likely builds my next campaign, right? So that's basically how I stay up to date. Um, yeah, that sounds amazing. Actually, you know what what you've basically said is you just basically observe your customers whatever they're talking about you know whatever is trending for them and i guess that's what informs you know the way you engage with them which brings us to the next question content creation because like you've already said you do you do everything everything digital that's hey <laughs> calm down <laughs> well every i will stand by my words everything digital that is gloria so I've seen you in your element, you know, creating content and just basically making magic, right? How did you, um, how did that come about? Like, how did you just find yourself doing that? Because, I mean, not every brand manager or every digital marketing um, specialist has to do that, right? So how did you find yourself doing that? And what impact have you seen from, you know, content creation in your role? How, how has it impacted your role? So my number one role, um for creating content is always just know that you're creating content for your community not necessarily for yourself so uh, many people create content that they like you know but when i'm creating content i'm always asking myself oh, my my tea would they find this interesting you know because yeah sometimes you can create something that is really really nice some, something you think is interesting but you publish it and nobody's really engaging it's just there it doesn't matter how much I like the content. If my audience don't like the content, I'm going to scrap it. So the second thing I find that really works is um, you have to talk about what your community is talking about, right? So and you, you want to read the room. You you can't be talking about something different. You can't just bring up a, an entirely different topic. Especially on Twitter, people will be like, where is this one? Like, we're saying A, you're saying B. <laughs> So you want to always read the room and you also want to just talk about what you're talking about. You want to use slangs that, you know, slangs they are using. You want to be relatable. You know, you want to be a brand that is not relatable and out of touch. I always try to present the brand as a person, you know, and there are a lot of American brands that do this so well. They do it so well, like people engage them online, like they're actually engaging a person. And, um, you know, you want to make your brand like, that person that goes to a new school and people want to be their friend because they are cool, right? So you want to just jump on trends. You want to you basically want your TA to see you as one of them. I think that's a, a fantastic piece of piece of advice, right? Trying to be um in line, like trying to be in line with what your target audience are doing. I guess basically it involves a lot of observation because there's no way you will know what they are thinking, what they are doing, what they are talking about if you're not in the vicinity that they are online, which is most likely Twitter, yes. Instagram, right? So yeah, I think that's a fantastic piece of advice. So somebody cannot just, you know, be off the grid and they suddenly expect that they would know, you know, what their target audience likes or is, you know, mm. talking about. I, I love that. Thank you. So I'd love to circle back. I know we, we discussed a bit about this in the beginning, but I don't think we really got the the real, the nitty-gritty, right? We really love to know, like, how did you um how did you decide that you, you know, how did you become passionate about digital um marketing and brand management? You know, what are some tips you would be you could share with you know anyone who is you know aspiring to be in your shoes? So 
I'm basically passionate about um, many things. And I think that's one of the things that really pulled me to digital. It's because it's just so vast and there's a lot of things that you can learn and a lot of things that you can just, you know, express your skills. And I just, it was, it's just very exciting. So today you can be in web, you know, development tomorrow, you can be content marketing next tomorrow, social media marketing. So all that's just very exciting for me. Um, but yeah, the genesis, um, I've mentioned earlier how I actually wanted to be a nurse, but that didn't work out. So I went to school, found myself studying marketing media publications. I enjoyed it. It was nice. I found it very fascinating. Um, I, I, I don't want to say I found myself in digital, uh, you know, coincidentally, because I believe everything happens for a reason. So, but the whole thing started after NYC when I got my very first job, like my serious job, right? And it was like, it wasn't a startup per se. Um, they've been operating, but they just didn't have any presence. No digital presence, nothing. And it was like a freestyling company. So I go ahead as a marketing manager. So, and I absolutely love my boss. And to date, I'm very, I, I remain grateful that he gave me the whole steering wheel. He's like, you know what? You're the marketing manager. Do whatever, do anyhow, just go all out. So um, that really helped me to be creative. You know, I, I only say that how you know a person is creative is uh, well, non, this is just me. I'm not saying that it's if you, I'm not saying that if you don't have this, then you're not creative, please. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, um, like, you know, marketing, right? Marketing is, it's when you have very little to work with, you then know if you actually, if you are creative as a marketing manager, because most times they're given a fat budget and you can do, or you can do anything you want to do to, you know, meet your objectives. But sometimes you're really not given a lot to work, to work with. So uh, when I was there, I wasn't given a lot. In fact, I was given almost next to nothing to work with. And so you find yourself in an amazing workplace, but the budget was really tight and there was just so much to do. At the time, I was the only person on the marketing team. Um, I mean, um, time after that, the company grew. We had other people, but at the time, I was the only person. And as usual, for digital marketing, people expected to just create magic, right? They want the thing you, they will say something and by the next hour, it's already done. So when I came in, there was no websites, no um, social media presence, um, no footprints on digital. There was just basically nothing, right? And um, so because I had very little to work with, what that meant was I had to learn. So Iwa, I had to go and learn how to build websites. <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> I, I used the website. I was able to, you know, not like I'm an expert, but just basic HTML, you know, and just basic programming languages, right? Wow. Um, I basically, yes. And thankfully, I write. So my writing skills came in, you know, I was able to write um, brochures. Um, thank God for Canva. I was, I was, uh, you know, I was creating proper brochures on Canva that were used for trainings. I would print them. You know, so I was able to just do a lot of things. I was able to design, you know, just basic things on Canva, but they were very good for social media. So I was doing a lot. And from the outside, you would think that this company has a full-on agency handling so many things, but it was just one person that was just doing a lot. <laughs> so, wow. um, Amazing. yeah, that was like, yeah, but I was a marketing manager. So I was in offline, online, right? And so, um, you know, I moved on. I went, I was working as a senior brand manager um at one company and um you know you'll be having different meetings with different agencies and they're, they're calling different terms you know that you don't really understand and the funny thing was to to actually qualify for that role you it was very very compulsory to have agency experience but I didn't have agency experience but I was the only hire that they hired without agency experience because my interview was so good I mean of course <laughs> it of was course. so good of course <laughs> <laughs> so but on that job i realized how important it was to have agency experience by gosh i mean i i've I done some digital things but i didn't really have the theoretical knowledge it was more of just practical like i had to just learn all these things so but there's, there's some things i didn't know 
that a proper expert in that field would know, right? So you'll be in meetings and they're just throwing different jargons up and down. And I just like, what's happening in this meeting? <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I need to have agency experience, like digital marketing agency experience. I had I had to be, I needed to be in a space where I would just be so immersed in digital marketing for at least two years, right? So at that time, I started applying to different agencies, you know, different digital agencies, and um, one took me, and it was a pay cut. It was it was a pay cut, so painful. Wow. But I knew I needed the experience. I knew I needed the experience, so I accepted, and um, I can confidently say that that has that experience. That um, I think one and one year, six months there about in that digital marketing ex- agency, um, really really helped me. It helped me so much, so much. Um, aside just what I learned on the job, I built relationships. In fact, where I currently work, it was because I was working in that agency. So um, yeah, pay cuts, but blessing it always. <laughs> so basically, that's how I found myself in digital marketing and just fell in love with it. That that's that's really amazing. Like. The fact that you even dis- like you didn't mind taking a pay cut just to get that experience. Like how many people can actually say that, especially in this Lagos that we're living in. Oh well, yeah. But I mean, it's paid off. I think, like you said already, yeah. the relationships you made, the learnings that you had in just like eighteen months, right? Um, mm-hmm. and I imagine the the kind of brands that you the kind of brands that you would have, you know, worked with. You know, that's something that you can't quantify um from your experience so that's that's really interesting well done um just a couple more questions um so i mean you've told us your journey and i think a lot of people will probably be able to relate um but can you tell us something you know interesting about yourself maybe something that people don't really know you know just spill a little you know secrets for us here hmm something interesting i always think i was a boring person but no i think now i'm super interesting um i think i i want to like about myself is the fact that i can do a lot of things you know with my hands i'm just quite handy i can fix stuff right laptops electricals uh, i can make hair i do photography i draw i write so you know in fact if i didn't have to work for money i'll be a writer and Oh, I remember one thing now. I remember one thing interesting about myself. When I was little, like in primary school, I would write short stories, like with a pen, right, on paper, all this A4 paper, and I would like use the scissors to cut them in the format of like a little book, and I'll write stories on them, and I'll staple them, and I'll sell them, right? And I was making money, you. I knew I could draw. So I would draw on the covers. Like if it's a story about the lion and the rabbits, I would draw a lion on it. I'll paint. Very beautiful. I was making money. I had customers. I was running a full-blown business in primary school. So put some respect on my name. <laughs> like my mouth is actually <laughs> hanging open. Like honestly... <laughs> So you have both a creative and a business head only one. Yo, fact- yo, yo. <laughs> and then my dad got me a typewriter and the hustle became solid. Like, no, I was I respect like... Your dad. Uh-uh, for everyone getting a typewriter, that is amazing. That I was am- giving J.K. Rowling in primary school. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing, though. Hmm. Gloria, anyway, I feel we've not really even seen your full potential. I feel like I just giving us much more. Please. Give us hot thoughts. Release all the potential on us, I beg. <laughs> yeah, I also wanted to be a chef. I love to cook, but, you know, I, like, I would have, I really wanted to go to, like, like culinary school, but 9 to 5 has me in a chokehold. So, that dream is later. <laughs> um, just to round up, um, is there, what, what are you currently reading? Is there something interesting maybe you read recently that you don't mind sharing? Uh, I'm currently reading the book of Acts in the Bible. Um, when I'm not studying the book of Acts, I'm reading a book called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. I love Patrick Lencioni. I think he has so much to share that can help organizations just, you know, have that organizational health. Um, I don't, he's not very, it's a book I would like for not just HR professionals, but every single person working in corporates should read. Okay, is there is there any podcast you're listening to recently that you're loving or you know in general? Uh, the, spot, the spotlight, of course. What Yay! else would I be? The spotlight. <laughs> okay, you heard it here first too. <laughs> awesome. Is there any other one you would like to mention? 
Um, Google has this thing that just started called Google Hustle Academy. I, I find it's absolutely brilliant, just brilliant. They basically interview um, you know, founders and they share their journey so far. I was watching this one with CEO of Slots, Inam D. Isigbo, and I've been in a setting where he spoke and I thought I still think he's absolutely brilliant. So that's something I'm currently loving. Oh, great. Thank you so much for sharing. So I think we are We've come to the end. Gloria, any final um takeaways, any final nuggets for us? Thank you so much, Iwa, for having me. This was absolute fun to make. And I hope everyone listening enjoys the session. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, another thing I'm going to just say is um um, you know, you can make a living out of what you are good at, you know. In, a lot of people say, Oh, you can't make money out of something, but you can just um the more you do something, the better you are at it. So this brings us to the end of this really enlightening episode. Thank you so much, Gloria, for sharing so much about yourself and your role. And thank you, listeners, for joining us in this episode where we explore the intersection of product research and digital marketing. We hope you found inspiration and gained valuable insights from Gloria Imevbore, who shared her expertise in content creation, community management, and brand PR. As you reflect on the discussions we had, remember that the synergy between UX research and digital marketing holds immense potential for building thriving communities and powerful brands that resonate, ultimately driving business success. We encourage you to apply the knowledge gained from this episode in your own endeavors, whether you are a UX researcher, business executive, digital marketer, business owner, or simply you know a curious listener. So stay tuned for more exciting episodes where we continue to uncover the diverse perspectives and intriguing connections within product research and strategy. So if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow our podcast, leave a review wherever you listen, and you know your feedback is really valuable to help us bring you more inspiring and informative conversations. So until next time, keep exploring keep innovating and keep pushing the boundaries of possibility.